And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. I think we're here. <laughs> Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, CFP. I wonder if we should be calling this the real divestment show if this market keeps up. No, listen, um, Danny and I talked about last year, Lance also talked about how this year was going to be rough. I just really thought maybe it would be a little easier getting out of the gate. This might be... Um, what I call a comeuppance here for people who thought that they were market mavens and that whatever they touched turned to gold or whatever form of gold it is. Um, so we, we see that this might be the year, Danny. One, we talked about how energy price. Last year, we talked about how energy prices were going to be sustainably higher go, this year. That, that's absolutely happening and talked about how it was going to be a year to buckle in, right? And risk management. I'm also thinking it might be a year of also owning those stocks that do stuff outside of the technological realm, like tangible stuff. What is that? Well, you know, old-fashioned industrials. You mean, you know, like, like when you play a Monopoly and you see, yeah, you know, stuff that actually makes money might actually be in vogue. I had a friend of mine who has been in Bitcoin for a long time uh, and his, uh, all the studies he kept showing, tell, um, sending to me, mostly from Wall Street firms who are obviously mainstreaming. Um, listen, once Wall Street mainstreams something, it's going to act like every other asset class. But the whole talk was that Crypto, and by the way, I'm, I'm a fan of crypto. I don't think there's anything wrong with owning it, but you have to understand where it fits, how much risk you're taking on. But the whole premise from a lot of people that were getting a more academic with it was that it was going to act totally different. It wasn't going to correlate with high-risk assets. And that is all it's done. Yeah, I mean, it, it has is not, not been diversifying. That safe no, that we were told it was going to be. Right. It's not the new gold. No. If anything, gold's doing nothing or just holding its own, so it actually is diversifying for you. And gold's not the old gold <laughs> either right now, but yeah. Gold is mold. Um, so I think this is the year where, one, you have to do homework. Do what we've been doing all along. Looking at cash flows, looking at balance sheets, looking at income statements. That's not in the wheelhouse of many um, financial firms where it's been mostly the momentum trade. And listen, there is nothing wrong with the momentum trade, Danny. As long as you know, what do we always say? As long as you know the environment you're playing in, play in it, right? As long as you understand the terrain and you don't try to think of it as something else or it's different this time, by all means, have at it. Just have your cell discipline, have your rules, 
and don't and understand it's not different this time. Now, with the Fed, it takes a lot longer for this comeuppance to occur because they provide that liquidity to make it last longer. And then we had this huge fiscal shot of money that came in. But I did an interview the other day um, and we talked uh, with uh, with I can't remember if it was Channel 2 or what it was, K- KPRC out here in, in Houston. But we talked about um, how now that you really do need to understand risk and before you could sort of minimize it, you had all this liquidity. And now what I'm thinking is the market is seeing that the economy is starting to slow. Look at what's happened to cash coffers and credit cards. Look at what's happened to people that had about, you know, savings rate was at 13% during the financial crisis, uh, financial crisis, whatever, the pandemic. It's all the same to me lately. And then we're back down. Cash coffers are, are draining. Real wages are negative, And people are using credit cards for the basics. So I think what the market is picking up on, forget the Fed. I think it's priced in or pricing in these rate hikes. I think it's pricing in more of a slowdown overall in the economy. What, what would you think? Well, we're seeing a lot of the companies that have done really well during the pandemic begin to slow. I mean, look at Peloton. We talked about that this week. Look at some of these other Yeah, Netflix areas. last night. Want to talk about that? Yeah, Netflix posted earnings today. that were, were not you know stellar. And so we're seeing as these earning ex- expectations or earnings are actually coming down, we're beginning to see maybe people are and maybe the market's just taking notice and they are pricing that in finally. And so, you know, we've been expecting this pullback for some time. Yep. You know, we had a great year last year. This is nothing outside of the norm in the sense that we should expect a 10% pullback annually. 20% at least, right? Yeah. You're gonna, markets just are going to have to go back to 10% pullbacks in markets. It's like us breathing. We've just forgotten. And 20% yeah. uh, corrections, uh, possible bear markets, that's feasible. What I noticed, though, is obviously, you know, the ARC funds, I think Kathy Woods, I think she's off like over 52% from the high. SPAC investors are getting spanked. So maybe we should call them spanked. Spanks. That name is taken already. Um, where investors are wanting their money back. Yeah, and, uh, and they're not going to be able to do so. No, and this is the risk you took on, right? Correct. And these uh, blank check companies are bleeding money right now and many organizations and billionaires that wanted to do SPACs are now hiding in their hidey holes they lost their come out of your hidey hole yeah well, well you know what this is this is what's interesting about these things is that everybody's up in arms we should be expecting these things we've been watching markets do this for some time and you just don't know when it's going to hit right yeah. danny and we said the fed Pulling back liquidity was definitely a good spark. We've all been saying this. Correct. People that listen to us on the radio are not surprised. That are on YouTube with us are not surprised by this. But we've been we've been back. we've been discussing this for some time now. The issue's been that the the Fed appears to be moving a little bit quicker than what initially anticipated. But we're also seeing these other numbers that are giving it a little bit of more you know. Uh, more of a fire starter here as well that are going to allow this to continue to go on. Now, look, we may see buyers rush back in. This may be a great buying opportunity. You know, well, my Lance thought said, would be markets are oversold. Yeah, so cool. you might get an oversold bounce. Yep. Just everybody cool your jets. Yeah. Take it easy. Right. I mean, it's going to be all right. And, and let's see where this thing goes, because, look, we're trading right above the 200 day moving average with the S&P 500. Yep. There's certainly some we have a le- another level of support here. There may be an opportunity where we do see a bounce, get a little bit of momentum and, and get back to where we were um, now. We see things deteriorate further. Well, you need to start thinking about what's your discipline. Where do you sell? 
what type of opportunities are going to be out there as well. So you've got to look at this in a couple of different ways and have a plan for each. Right now, well, first of all, there's never a reason to panic. But right now, going to rules, creating rules, and keeping your emotions out of it is going to be very, very important. Yesterday, when we had a nice move in the market, you know, it's a really a pretty bad sign when markets close weaker, right? Mm-hmm. As they open strong, close weak. And we took some money off the table. We try to do our best to stick with the rules. And an all-in, all-out strategy when it comes to stocks is not the way it's supposed to work. You will never do well with that kind of strategy. We get back. I want to talk a little bit about Netflix. Jeremy Grantham's um, dire forecast, he's been out there for a while, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. And living with debt in retirement, hey, that is the new reality here on Financial Fitness on 700 KSCV, The Voice of Texas. We'll be right back. news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show. So Netflix, I think, was down 19%. In pre-market, 18.74% in pre-market trading. Dow implied open down 63. NASDAQ futures down 122. Lance would be better well-equipped to handle some of our YouTube people by saying, you know, hey, listen, tech has been so overdone. You know, maybe it's time for a bounce. And that's possible for growth stocks to be that way. Maybe the Fed doesn't raise rates four times. Maybe they take a step back. Um, But again, these have been high flyers for a while. Uh, people have a lot of profits still to take in tech and to move into what we call value. Although the definition of value today, I don't know what truly value is. Uh, we can call it value and then look inside those ETFs and those mutual funds and argue that some of those companies are far from value. Now, they may have been traditional value, but let's call these companies, these value companies in some of these these um ETFs, the island of misfit stocks. They just didn't do as well as tech, right? And now some of these more boring companies might be taking on some of the money. So the sector rotations, Danny, are going to tend to be violent, it's like Benny Hill, man. I don't know if you remember Benny Hill, but like he'd be running and everybody would be following him. And I could almost see him like they're, all the investors running through one sector door. They're running out and they're running into the other one. They're running out and they're running back. I mean, 
we're all trying to figure this out. But what we have to understand is that some of the rules that were created during the last few years, how so much risk, like in SPACs and crypto, was so, so much easy money, is going to be a challenge. Now, there are going to be some people that will buy low into it. More power to you. Um, that If that's in your rule book, then you go ahead and do it. But without the Fed liquidity, we're really going to see, what is the, what is the Warren Buffett adage? When the tide goes out, we get to see who's really swimming naked. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of shriveled, I mean, I can't say it, uh, <clears throat> people uh, on the beach. Shriveled wallets, let's say. Shriveled wallets. A lot of raisins. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's it. FCC. Call what are you talking a- about? You ever been in the bathtub too long? Come on, man. <laughs> Hands shrivel up. What am I going to do with you? I'm glad I don't eat raisins. Um, so you got to keep a cool head. Um, and again, value stocks might be where it's at, but keep this in mind again. Are they truly value? Michael and um, Lance talk about this all the time. Well, just I because mean, if you look at price to sales, something. yeah, if you yeah. look at what true value is. Now, people were asking me, is Peloton value? I'm like, well, some stocks are down for a reason, right? The numbers Correct. are not, not there. So that, you know, you have to look at the metrics. Just because a stock is down or getting hammered dramatically. When we looked at energy stocks, remember? I can't, I'll never forget what Lance said the year before last at the end of the year. He goes, I've, if I could put 40% of the client's money in energy right now, I'd do it. And we were like, no, you can't. As fiduciaries, we can't do it. But he saw true value mm-hmm. because of the numbers he was running on the screens that he runs. Energy just kept popping up fundamentally, right? Technically, no. Fundamentally, yes. Uh, Peloton's not showing up on that list. <laughs> no, right and, and Netflix wouldn't either, right? You right. see a company, getting back to that, that shed 20% of market share you know, pretty quickly. And I think that this is going to be one of those deals where, look, their net new subscribers are going to be cut in half is what their expectations are. This is a big shock for a company that did so well during the pandemic. And we, we always expected a slowdown at some point as people kind of got back to the quote-unquote normalcy you know, going about their daily lives and they're not sitting at home, right? Right. They're not sitting at home. The number of hit shows, right? It really depends. Now they have Ozark coming out. That's pretty strong. But, you know, people are going to look at, in a lot of these services, Paramount Plus, Disney. We talked about that last week. A lot more competition. A lot more competition. You're not going to marry these streaming firms. You're just going to date them. So I might, I might, I might have, you know, Paramount Plus, when 1883 and Yellowstone decides to end, I don't see anything else on there that I would like to watch. So I'm going to cancel the service. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to hold the service. And that, that talks about how people that have these auto withdrawals and so forth, they have to really watch their money. I think you did a segment or John Penn did a segment with Fox on, I mean, or K-H-O-U yep. on um, subscriptions. The, subscriptions, how much they bleed you. You they know, do. Thousand you know, cuts, man. And, and that's the problem. We talk yeah. about these things. And so people are getting, you know, they're getting a little bit more mindful of where money's going. I think we've talked about how we save and, you know, how we need to put it on autopilot. Well, guess what? It works the same exact way, but in reverse, when you have it on autopilot going out. And it's one of those deals where you do forget about it. And you say, oh, shoot. You know, you start looking at your credit card statement. 
we do have this this bill or man you start adding it up you start thinking wow okay that promo ended now i'm spending a lot more than i anticipated mm -hmm. that happens often but there's lots of services now like true bill uh, there's other places that will actually help you aggregate it and then put that in perspective and say wow you have you know 560 dollars in you know payments coming out every month yeah where's it going adds up yeah that stuff really does i mean companies are smart they know they know how we behave so Jeremy Grantham, and he's always been a more fundamental guy, but almost a bear on many in, in many occasions. And he's been talking about this huge correction in markets. And he thinks right now, based on some latest reports, um, Danny, that this is now this is the famed investor. He's been calling market bubbles for years. Um, he says that this is the super bubble, one of those super bubbles that we're in. And he says that the S&P will probably drop 45% from Wednesday's close, 48% from its January 4th peak. And that the NASDAQ will sustain an even bigger correction. And he says, I wasn't quite as certain about this bubble a year ago and I, as I had been about the tech bubble of 2000 or I had been in Japan or as I had been in the housing bubble. But I feel highly likely, perhaps not nearly certain, today I feel it is just about nearly certain. And he references the Fed and the crazy risk taking in meme stocks, Reddit boards. You know, it's the stuff we always see at the top of markets. The issue is you can sit at the top and enjoy the view for a very long time. And guess what? Some people get very rich at the top. Not all, but some because they have a sell discipline. Right, Danny? They know they're at the top of the mountain and they're going to head down whether they want to or not. They don't think that the landscape has changed just because they're at the top of the mountain. They understand that it's coming. The storm cloud's coming. And they take profits. So those are the people that are, that are probably sitting there on the sidelines going, <laughs> you know, I knew it was going to come. I, I, I didn't get greedy. I didn't let my emotions get the best of me. And I went ahead and I took profits. But I think you have to take, you're going to see more and more of these kinds of commentaries. And I, and I do like Jeremy Grantham, but I take a lot of this uber bullish stuff and uber bearish stuff with a grain of salt. You have to. There's no, there's no you way cannot, you cannot. Yeah. The truth is somewhere in between these two. And that doesn't mean that you forsake every investment that you own because these guys are wrong more than not. Listen, the Barron's Roundtable, do you ever read the Barron's Roundtable every year? And they have like the top strategists given their top picks for the year. And if stock. you look back Almost, and ask them again, they're not there the next you year. You should see the track record of these top picks. That's why they have to get new people every year. Yeah. And I think roughly they did a study and the track record is like 5% returns on these, on these top picks. Listen, again, it's good to read. It's good to understand. Taking action, totally different step for your situation, how much risk you're willing to take and the rules you follow. You can't just take blanket advice and apply it to you. Even though because even though you might believe it, and that's the tough part, right? Because that's called confirmation bias. I only seek out opinions I agree with. If you're a smart investor, you're reading both sides. And I like to say, and that's why our symbol is the eagle, we really just look at the terrain. Because we don't want to get pulled into these camps. But most investors go to one camp or the other and try to make sense of it. You've got to make sure that you're somewhere in the middle, understand the risk you're taking to get your returns. And if it feels like it's too much, I had someone I talked to yesterday, um, <clears throat> do-it-yourself investors, 100% stocks. 
And he goes, you know, I just, he takes pride. I, I think he's pretty good at following rules. But he goes, you know, Rich, I just think that, um, you know, the writing's on the wall for at least the correction. So I think I'm going to just take 20% off the table uh, of my, you know, my higher flyers. And I'm going to just keep it in cash for a while. I said, well, you're not pulling all out of the market. You're still fairly aggressive. Right? But you're just... You know, you're just preparing for the storm, right? You're just preparing for the storm. So I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I thought he was looking at it level-headed. He didn't call me and say, Rich, I'm getting all out. I'm picking all my stocks. I'm going to cash. Then I'm like, okay, you know, this is crazy. So I think it's going to be very tough for many investors to keep their heads this year. And what I really worry about, Danny, we have a whole generation of young investors who have come in to this market thinking that it never corrects and it can only go up and that their whole, they're going, why am I in school? I read someone on the Reddit board about six months ago, uh, a young man in school, uh, I mean, good college. And he goes, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm making so much money in the market. I'm managing all my family's money right now. Like my mom and dad's money. This 19 year old is managing oh. his mom and dad's money. Right. And, you know, I, I don't need this. I can be, you know, I'm gifted. He even said it like, I'm gifted. And like some people on the Reddit board were like, oh, please, I'm gagging, right? But there are a lot of people who are in that camp or some shade of it in that camp. And once you lose humility in the market, you're going to get your head cut off. Because the market returns it to you, doesn't it? Every yeah. time. Every There's single no time. No greater institution that'll get you on your knees faster than the market. Hey, we want to talk about this, uh, living with debt and retirement. Many retirees do. It's a fact of life. Also talk about what we have coming up in the Lunch and Learn here on Financial Fitness Friday. We'll see you on the other side. The break. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors Virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. Um, I had someone say to me yesterday, I thought it was pretty... That was pretty pretty good. I said I might use it on the radio today, and I am. Rising interest rates are poison to speculative investments. As interest rates rise and liquidity drains, speculative investments across the board are not something you really want to touch. And that 
I mean, again, makes sense with all the liquidity around and out there chasing all this stuff and all this, all these, all these types of speculative investments look good when there's liquidity and low rates. But now with the friction of rising rates, things change. That doesn't mean some, that all stocks are going to not handle it correctly. It just means that if you're in speculation, you need to understand that some of your, the fuel is coming out of your tank. That's, uh, that's, that's tough to recognize and, and deal with, I think, for some people only because it's been so good for so long. Well, it, it has. And look, they're, they're saying we're going to have four rate hikes. We may not even get close to that. You know, markets are already starting to price these things in. We're seeing a bit of volatility. I had somebody mentioned yesterday, said, you guys are taking a little bit more of a bearish undertone. I said, well, there's some headwinds out there. But that doesn't mean that we couldn't have a positive year in markets. Look, we've had many years you know, we could have these really conversations. the truth really bothers people. The truth really, as soon as people hear the truth, they go, A, you're bearish. B, you're negative. No. It is what it is, right? It's well, reality. these are things that are that yeah. are not in our control. Now we right. can control our actions, how we respond, what we do. Right. That's why we we do we operate with a discipline, and I think that's the important aspect. But this doesn't mean that this year is going to be bad. We could make an argument for every single year of the last four or five years, even going back further, that we could have a negative year, that we could have some some problems. Now. We've been lulled to sleep over this long period of time because the Fed has provided that backdrop. Yeah. Now, think about this, though, Rich. Election year. Democrats are in control. Mm-hmm. You don't think President Biden put some pressure on, on Powell if things go wrong? They say, whoa, you may have to revert course here. Do you think? I think we've already seen in 2018, he's, I mean, we thought he was, the, he was a difference maker, that he was not the same. He's proven to be a Janet Yellen 2.0. Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, the Fed and climate change, I don't, I'm not really getting that. I'm not really, uh, understanding that. Can you, um, that would be a fun phone call to listen to. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Mr. Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still married to Gene Harlow? No, that was William Powell. Um, (laughs) sorry. Um, (laughs) I'm going to pay for that one later. Uh-huh. Um, so, third, so first of all, we had a great canned coffee. I'm hoping Danny maybe has some of the questions we could deal with in, in the last segment. Um, but we have a really good, hey, Powell, turn up your radio. The guys are on. Um, we don't have a radio, sir. Oh, I'm hearing something. The real story about Social Security is coming Hey, that's a great, that is a good Biden impression. I'm really good with Sebastian Gorka and, and Biden, so I might have to do a whole thing next week with, between them. Oh, shut up, you old coot. Um, Lunch and Learn, Thursday, February 10th at 12 o'clock. We're going to be talking about Social Security. We want you to understand the claiming choices that can greatly affect you and your spouse and or your family. And how does Social Security fit into your overall retirement income plan and the importance of taking the emotions out of it? So we will be doing that lunch and learn virtual. Go to Real Investment Advice, sign up, and I am sure you will learn something. But we had a really great turnout, didn't we, Danny, at Candid Coffee? We did. You know, and this is one of those deals where we've, we've talked about this more like office hours where we just want to keep it open, open format, answer any questions that you guys may have. Uh, so we try to keep it um, really loose, you know, that's. Rich is in his robe. 
I know everybody's excited to see what his new new robe's going to be. I got to get a new one. I think you do. I think it's time. Yeah, it is time. It is time to get a robe. Maybe um, you just change it up altogether. Maybe you just, you know, I don't know. Just, I'm not going to make any suggestions uh, here because it'll probably go way too far. Just wear it inside out. Yeah, but it's the same inside out. It's one of those silky things. You can't tell the difference. Um, yeah, I don't know how many silky things people afford in retirement. So um, you got to keep in mind that debt and retirement go hand in hand now. It used to be, I think, the possibility of being 100% debt-free uh, is nirvana at the start of retirement. And that is reserved for a fiscally elite group with the greatest financial disciplines throughout their entire life, right? So those who say even enter the financial crisis with very little debt and prospered since the beginning have really paid off, right? And they, they've managed things right. But with interest rates so low and borrower nation, retirees have been in the same boat, haven't they, Danny? They have. It's been, an, it's been a really difficult time for retirees in a sense of, you know, it's great, especially if you have, you know, you've accumulated funds. You know, you think about this generation really stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, mm -hmm. typically when you needed access to capital, it was extremely expensive back in the 70s and 80s. Now you actually have some and you can't get paid anything for it. It's true. So I think if you're an advisor and you are continuing to follow the debt-free mantra, you're going to be out of touch with retirement reality. And I listen, I, I don't want to preach a strategy that's impossible to attain. We're here to stay grounded, face the fact that many retirees will carry debt into retirement. And we help retire pre-retirees understand that if they wait until they're debt-free, then physically or mentally, and we come across this many times as a crossroad, their retirement quality is going to suffer. So the timing of retirement is a pretty delicate balance um, between this hearty balance sheet and the health that you have as an aging individual. How do we balance this, Danny, right? Because we, there's some people like, if we wait until you're completely debt-free, unless we make some drastic changes, and mm -hmm. I have some people who have, like downsize dramatically, really cut their expenses. But there's a point where my health I may not get there. I may never be able to retire. And again, there are some people that live with the choice that they don't want to retire. Like, I don't understand. I, I mean, I don't know. And I know with Lance, too. Like, I don't know about this whole retirement thing. I, I mean, if you do what you love every day and you love what you love working, then I don't know if you really ever stop. Um, but there are people that say, listen, you know, I, I, I'm done. I want to try something different. And now I have this much debt. What do I do? Um, it is a challenge. So what we do is that you have to sometimes make a tough decision. You have to accept perhaps and plan with a manageable debt level. Um, or maybe you retire debt-free at age 77. And for some, that's a huge discouragement. At that point, retirement planning loses impact and people feel sort of defeated. So we want to go in some ways you can accept debt in retirement and be less stressed. But I, I mean, I know with a lot of people we deal with, they are pretty much debt-free. The only debt that they may have is their mortgage. And interest rates have been so low, but their payments are low, mm -hmm. right? It, it seems to work. So they might be debt-averse, 
but they do have mortgages. You know, uh, Dave Ramsey is the paid off mortgages is the biggest thing to have. I don't know if you ever really pay off your mortgage. Remember years ago, you probably paid off your mortgage. You didn't have as much in taxes and HOA and property taxes and Insurance, all this. Now it's another payment. Now I understand it's maybe best for your cash flow, but if my interest rate's two and a half percent, say say the ten year treasury. I'm not. I don't have any idea where the ten year treasury is. I mean, there are all kinds of analysis out there where it might be at the end of at the end of 2022. But say the ten year treasury, Danny, goes to four percent. And my mortgage is, is 2.5%. Am I better off paying off my mortgage or maybe buying some bonds? You know, and you got to look at money's fungible. It flows through your whole balance sheet. It may not be worth it. But there are people that are going to have much unsecured debt in retirement. And why? They've been helping their kids. They possibly have elderly parents. They're stuck in the middle. And this becomes a challenge. But what you have to do when you accept debt in retirement, the first step is you have to get zero unsecured or as close as possible. You want to get your unsecured debts to 5% or less than total liabilities. And unsecured liabilities are what? Auto loans, high interest credit card debt, medical bills, student loans, right? If they total greater than 5%, first complete your balance transfers to low interest rates or negotiate more favorable rates. You believe that if you call... I had someone do this about three weeks ago. Call your bank. You've been there 20 years and say, listen, I'm going to move this money out of this credit card. She keeps an outstanding balance. I'm going to take it out of here and I'm going to another, you know, I got a balance transfer offer. They met that offer just from her calling. You've been with us 20 years. We don't want to lose you. We're able to give you a balance transfer rate for a year. Okay. You know, for them. I know several people who have reduced their high rates by 20 to 45% just by asking. Also, maybe a home equity line of credit before retirement and wiping out unsecured obligations. Uh, home equity credit lines are still attractive, reverse mortgages. Uh, we'll talk about this when we get back. Hey, Mr. Powell, are you still dating Myrna Loy? I'm hanging up on this guy. <clears throat> you call him back, Yellen. Okay, I got to stop with my impressions this morning. I'm going to lose everybody. When we get back, we're going to continue to talk about debt and retirement here on Financial Fitness Friday, The Real Investment Show. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors Virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back. 
Listen, I know that paying off your mortgage is like um, a financially emotional snuggie. And we have a lot of people that will say, Rich, I'm going to retire, so I'm going to take $200,000 out of my IRA and pay off my mortgage. No, 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 no. Think about the impact of that decision. Don't pay extra on your mortgage if you don't have to. Okay, most likely you've refinanced multiple times. So the loan is manageable. So don't worry about having a home paid in full as a goal. Make your minimum payment. Maybe you want to pay a little extra, but you want to remember household cash flow is everything in retirement. Owning a home debt-free is not an accomplishment if it curtails the quality of your life or if you have to pay it off, then you will need to look at some home equity conversion mortgage to turn your glacier of ice of a home into water of liquidity to live. But having a paid off mortgage is, an, if you can handle it, if you have a couple hundred thousand sitting in a cash account somewhere, not doing anything, and, you, and it doesn't forsake anything that we talk about, Danny, right? Financial vulnerability cushions or anything else. Okay. But why would I take multiple hundreds of thousands out of my IRA or 401k to pay off my mortgage when I realize the taxes I'm going to need to pay and I'm never going to make that investment up. My house is not going to appreciate by the rate of taxes I'm going to pay. No, but but I see a lot of people who do it the opposite, right? Where they take the funds out of a checking, savings, or investment account. And I think for a lot of people, this is just simply a peace of mind where you know they feel like, hey, having the house paid off is, is the thing to do. And sometimes... It's just what people are going to do, right? I, it is. And, and if that's the case, what I've always, I actually had a conversation with somebody a couple nights ago. I said, look, if, if you feel like this is the best thing for you to do, and look, we can, we can do the math, and it's probably not because they're high income earners, um, likely able to, you know, they're itemizing things. If we do see taxes revert back to the old tax code, their standard deduction is going to come way down. Right. Itemization is going to be key, and it's going to be something that they're going to lose some of the, the benefits of, right. not to mention right now with ultra low interest rates, still we're in an environment where you can typically do better with something else on the outside with an investment. But they said, look, we just, we have been thinking about this. We've always wanted to do this. We now finally have the means to do so. We're going to pay it off. Great. If you're going to pay it off though, here's the deal. Every month you're going to, we're going to create another account and you're going to put the funds like you're paying a mortgage into that account. And we're going to let those funds build back up. Like you're still paying. Yeah. Correct. And you have to think about it. There was a great article in the Wall Street Journal last week. How many people really stay in their homes? Their forever homes sometimes is multiple homes. And, and aging in place when it comes to long-term care is the most popular option. It is. But most people are not going to stay in their homes. So maybe you want to think about this. You downsize your transport and your carport. So you have a lot of pre-retirees going smaller by reducing the size of their shelter and transportation right? Large residences when it comes to upkeep, big car payments, lots of possessions. As you get older, that gets sort of stressful. So maybe a plan to lighten these fixed expenses, moving to smaller homes in more metropolitan areas where people have public transportation is available. Two-wheel transport uh, replaces automobiles. Uh, when I look at home builders today, and I talk to uh, Toll Brothers representative, I said, you're best-selling homes. What's the square footage? She what goes, you wouldn't believe it. 1,800, 16 to 1,800 square feet. Yeah. That is that. our biggest seller. But think about this, too. I mean, that 1,800 square foot home historically would have been what? 
way less than what it is today. So some people are just priced out of what they would typically buy because that's all they can afford. Well, yeah, and I did ask about the affordability, but she goes, you know what they're doing is people are saying, listen, we don't need all this stuff, mm-hmm. all this space. And I said, are, okay, are these people that are in their 50s and 60s? She goes, you wouldn't believe it, but these are like people in their 30s and 40s. They're not into them all this material stuff. Yeah. Now, what they do like, they like the upgrades. Mm-hmm. They like the upgrades, right? They want the nice kitchen. They want all this stuff, but in a smaller space. So that's an interesting trend. It is. In, across all age groups. So maybe you want to rent in retirement and bank the cash. I know it's crazy, but I have a lot of retirees that their attitude about home ownership has absolutely changed. They're more amenable to renting. They avoid the hassle and expense of ongoing maintenance. They're investing the sales, pro, uh, sales proceeds of their, their homes, their bigger homes, in immediate annuities, dividend stocks. So they decided, listen, you know, I'm always going to have a payment anyway when I, when I buy. My rent right now is lower than my property taxes in HOA, and I don't have to worry about a darn thing. And I took the proceeds from my sale and I put it to work to create an income stream. I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody, but depending on your situation, that could work. Um, Also, to get out of debt, you have a lot of retirees working part-time. What if you work part-time and you actually enjoy it? Part-time work. I'm going to tell you a story about this. I'm on my way to a girlfriend's house last week and I go through Dunkin' Donuts. And this guy, I said, hey, you have this winter blend coffee. I, you know, I heard about this. He goes, oh, that's coffee. She goes, right. This is the best coffee in the world. You know, you want a little donut with it? And I'm like, um, I don't really want, oh, it goes so good with a donut. I'm like, okay, I'm taking a donut. I'm like, this guy's got to be about 90. Speaking right? of coffee, how much did you have today? <laughs> Just go, no, listen. So, so I'm driving through, and the guy uh, at, the, at the window, yeah. he, I'm not kidding, but he had to be about 80. He had to be about 80. Okay. And I, I gave him a nice tip. He was so full of, co- I mean, I never heard customer service like this through, Dunk, like through a Dunkin' yeah. Donuts. And I just pondered this gentleman, like, does he need the job? Is he just doing it for fun? Like, I got to interview him. But he was just so good. He made me want a whole gallon of Winter Blend. It's such a nice, this is what he says, it's such a nice coffee. Oh, I got to have some of that nice coffee, sir. <laughs> so uh, you have give me lot, two. You have some, like, you know, you have older people that do a great job with people. And they want to go out and they still want to be viable. And so there's nothing wrong with working part-time. If you work one to three more years, say if you don't want to work part-time, but you work full-time, how much does that help your financial plan, Danny, if you work just an additional year or two? You know, it's, it's, it's really significant. And what we see, especially with uh, retirees that may be under Medicare age. Yes. I mean, talk about a game changer as far as if you can get a, a job with benefits, with health care. I mean, that is significant. And so the impact to a, a financial plan is astronomical. The longer you can work, the longer you're not, you're not, you know, distributing these funds, it pays off. And so, you know, sometimes we see it kind of part and parcel, right? It's not just a, hey, you know, we're going to cut, we're just going to go cold turkey, no longer working. We're going to do it in stages. It's over time. And over time. That's right. And so 
we see a lot of success with that. What it also allows you to do is you kind of get that practice run at retirement that most don't yes, get, right? You right. Just, most people, it's like, bam, you flip the switch. You're no longer an accumulator. Now you're a distributor. We talk about that black hole. You and fall right into it big right. time where it's a real emotional adjustment when you can just phase in. Not only that, you could do those next two or three years prep. I, right. I worked with someone on a plan the other day, and the t- that, that wasn't going to make it. Working two more years, here's what we came up with, Danny. Aggressively paying down debts. That's right. That they had, unsecured. Fixing all the stuff in their house that they needed to fix. Like, we needed to get the air conditioner done. We need to do all this stuff, right? Get it done before you retire. Two, three years goes by real fast. So we figured out they needed to work less than two years, get all their debts paid off, right? Get everything the way they wanted in their home, Mm -hmm. do some remodeling, then go ahead and decide to retire. Yeah, that makes sense. And for a lot of people, I think we're seeing more and more people who are becoming more engaged. They're saying, hey, I'm, I'm like what I do. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to do it full time. I want to spend more time with family, with friends. I want to travel more. And I want to be able to do so on my terms. And so we're seeing more people go contract. We're seeing people who are saying, hey, I can find a job still doing what I'm doing, still getting benefits, but not doing all the work that I'm doing right now. And I think that's the key thing. It is. I mean, it is amazing to see how over that next two or three years, people save more, reduce debt. They come up with a spending plan. And like you said, they're looking at their budget closer, figuring out, imagining that they're going to go into retirement. What's that budget going to look like? I mean, it is pre-retirement prep work or exercise. And you wouldn't believe how much progress. I mean, I we witness this all the time. If if it allows you to wait to take Social Security, if it bridges you over to Medicare, uh, it's even more important. So keep that, um, you know, keep that in mind. So if you're going to retire with debt, do it smart. Come up with a plan. What kind of debt? But don't, don't beat yourself up if you're one of those people who do. Um, you can make it work. You just need a strategy. Yep, absolutely. So, Danny, we got a few more minutes. What kind of We had a lot of questions about... Man, I get, they're across the board when, yep. at Candid Coffee. Uh, Social Security, mostly on my inflation, right? So inflation is a big issue for a lot of people, right? I think the average family is going to pay, what, an additional, is it $3,500 a year? A yeah. family of four for just basic living expenses? Yeah, just consumer staples have gone up so much, just your basic goods and services. And so right. this is something that most people are struggling with. I think that everybody's saying, hey, how long does this last? You know, we continue to hear these different stories. And we're going to talk more about this next week. We'll get let's, some more of the questions that we got hit with. Uh, again, this Candid Coffee is great. We get to really learn what's on everybody's mind. And, of course, we're very happy you spent some time with us today. Uh, Lance, back on Monday. Hope you all have a restful weekend. And uh, hope you picked up something good to, for your financial arsenal today. So thanks again. We'll see you again. Money, money, money. Must be funny.